0: Now, David Fiorazzo.
1: Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in and thank you guys for your interest in the topics we've had on this week. I want to stress the importance of the show we did yesterday. Um, First of all, the lack of justice today by the justice system, by the FBI, by the Biden Democrats, the double standards are absolutely off the charts. And it's It might be hard for us to understand because of the history of this country, but we're in a new place now where they are calling evil good and good evil. What I'm talking about is we had uh, Reverend Jim Harden on yesterday talking about his Compass Care Pregnancy Center offices that were firebombed almost four months ago, still no arrests, no person of interest. The FBI has turned their back on that, and there's been over a 100 of these across the country, when it comes to pro-life pregnancy centers and churches that have been vandalized by pro-abortion terrorist groups. And um, it's just sad that they're not pursuing this. And yet, four days after a Planned Parenthood was threatened in Kalamazoo, Michigan, I believe it was, they they found someone, person of interest, or made an arrest. This is the double standard of today's modern injustice system. We've seen it since the 2020 riots on the streets of our cities um, who they're favoring, and we know the narrative. So, the second half of the podcast, though, I encourage you guys to look at this because the buried truth about sexologist Alfred Kinsey helps us understand the connection between his warped worldview and the sex research done on children as well as adults in the 1940s that really were part of his quote, scientific research that he put out that he published, and that's what universities use as a guide. That's what public schools are um, teaching in the curriculums today. It's based on Kinsey's work. If you know anything about this man and his worldview, you'll be able to connect the dots and go, wow. So you're, you'll no longer be blindsided by the hypersexuality in our culture today and the anything goes mentality. So I encourage you to check out the podcasts uh, earlier this week and share them. Very important information. Um, Today, though, we are blessed to have Elijah Abraham back with us, and of course, he's an evangelist, a teacher, and Living Oasis Ministries is where you can get more about Elijah. That's livingoasis.org, and he's taking another international trip next week. Elijah, welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth.
2: Good morning. Thank you for having me. It's hey, always a it's always a blessing for me to be with you guys.
1: Yeah, it's a blessing to hear what the latest from you. Um I I was going to say where do you want to start? But let's just uh look at your upcoming trip and then I've got some a couple of headlines uh that may be of interest as well. But let's talk about the condition of the church and let's talk about your upcoming trip. Is it next week?
2: Yes, yes, actually a week from today. Wow. It's coming up quick. So where are you yeah. headed? Where are you headed this time? I'm going to Southeast Asia, um, as you know, uh, the lockdown and pandemic or pandemic, or whatever you want to call it, um, uh, it, can, it granted a lot of uh, ministries and ministers like me uh, from travel. So uh, during the lockdown, I had six international trips canceled to nine countries. And uh, last uh, November, right after, actually the day after Thanksgiving, uh, the Lord opened opportunities for me to travel again. So since then, I had two international trips, last November, December, and um, April, May of this year to five countries in Eastern Europe. So Southeast Asia, I've been there um, oh, seven times in this particular country. And um, but they have been very strict, so now they are finally opened up. Uh, they still have some restrictions internally, but for international arrival, finally they opened up. So uh, praise the Lord! I already have six conferences lined up in three cities, and uh, we still working on possibly late uh, conference that uh, people are still might be interested. Um And also, I have a group of uh, young believers, young disciples that I've been discipling through uh, Zoom uh, during the lockdown that I will be meeting for the first time in person and encourage them and do a little bit more teaching with them. So I'm very, very excited uh, for this trip. Uh, the conferences will be, uh, I'll be teaching in a couple of seminaries as well as pastors conferences and two denominations as far as the denominations are concerned, mainly to the leadership as well as the uh, some key pastors of those denominations.
1: Wow, that's neat. That's really neat. I like the part where you get to meet the people you've been connected with on Zoom. I mean, this, yeah. this is a different world today where you can um, do a lot of things on the Internet and actually see people face-to-face. And it's just fascinating now, you know, in, in today's uh, modern society, now you get to go meet them. Um, that's kind of neat. That's, that's, that's probably new to your experience in your teaching history, huh?
2: Yeah, actually, I never heard of Zoom until April of 2020. <laughs> You're low-tech, <laughs> um, huh? Yeah, even though that uh, we were grounded, um, I was traveling around the world through Zoom. I had groups in, um, uh, three groups in Eastern Europe, uh, two groups in uh, uh, Southeast Asia, and one group in South Asia. So, uh, and the Lord has blessed uh, some of the groups we're doing it weekly, some of the groups we're doing it monthly. Uh, so it all depends on the schedule, as uh, of course. So, um, yeah, praise the Lord for technology. I mean, not all technology is bad, uh, but for uh, the gospel, we're definitely using it. So mm. praise the Lord for that.
1: Um, I want to digress for a moment here, Elijah. And speaking of technology, I just got an email from our brothers in arms, uh, in spiritual arms, uh, in Oklahoma, uh, Dan Fisher and Paul Blair, yeah, and, and
2: friends, friends of mine. Yep, yep.
1: Their Vimeo has just been banned. Oh um, my, at Liberty Pastors and friends. We Elijah and I participated. We went to a Liberty Pastors conference a couple of years ago in Dallas, Texas. That's uh, in Elijah's neck of the woods, and. These guys are, are doing some great work holding there actually another one's coming up in about three and a half weeks in Idaho, Cordelline, Idaho, for Liberty Pastors, if you want to get your pastor there for a great getaway and education and just to get up to speed on all these things that pastors need to know about. But Liberty Pastors uh received this from Vimeo. Dear Liberty Pastors, your account has been removed by the Vimeo staff for violating our guidelines. Reason repeated. Guideline violations. So Paul sent out, Paul Blair, Liberty Pastors was banned by Vimeo. This was yesterday afternoon, I believe. And uh, making their, of course, some of their many teaching videos unavailable. I I just want to direct people to libertypastors.com, Fairview Baptist in Edmond. And uh, they're also on Rumble. Look up Liberty Pastors on Rumble. There you can see Some of these videos, but Elijah, this, this is the work that you and I think is so important because they are, they are equipping pastors because a lot of pastors around the country, of course, have not done a great job equipping the saints for ministry and teaching the whole counsel of God and addressing what's happening outside of the church walls, right? In our culture. So just your brief thoughts on this. This is the way we're not surprised that Vimeo and some of these sites, YouTube, they're banning godly Christian men. Um, but just your brief thoughts on this. What do you think?
2: You're absolutely right. I think it uh, really goes back uh, way back in 40s and accumulated in the 1950s with Lyndon B. Johnson uh, introducing the uh, 501c3, meaning, uh, well, if you want to be tax deductible uh, a church or nonprofit, you need to have this letter from a hidden institution called the IRS, uh, to approve that you can open a church and give tax receipts to your donors. Um, you know, for nonprofit, I get it. But for the church, that's that's unacceptable. Mm-hmm. But the, the pastors at that time uh, accepted it. And as a result, uh, they kind of confined themselves into the guidelines of what uh, uh, IRS guidelines are all about. So more or less, uh, whether mm-hmm. they acknowledged it or not, um, you know, a lot, the 501c3 is kind of more or less a, a state-approved church. Uh, I know that's a strong statement, but what else can you say? it? Well, mm. How do you label it? Yeah. Because you have to look at it from a biblical point of view. The Church of the Living God survived mm-hmm. and continued to survive without the IRS. It survived for 1950 years without the IRS yeah. until 1950s. Yep. Um, so now, when a church planter wants to plant a church in America, the first thing he's been advised oh, here's the paperwork, fill it out and send it to the IRS and get your tax deduction number. Wow. Um, so it, when that happens, then you got uh, the Christian institutions, um, the, uh, the seminaries and Bible colleges, so forth. Yeah, they, they will be teaching the Bible but they are not really got, get it and look I went to seminary they never taught me <clears throat> how to really be the light of the world on the physical realm <clears throat> uh yeah uh, preach teach the word of god get uh, see people get saved uh, god's will save them my role is to disciple them and equip them on the spiritual realm and how to live godly living but they never connected okay my spiritual walk with the lord it should impact My society, my culture, the politicians, the education, the uh, entertainment—all of that—they never taught us how to do that. Why? Because of what happened in the 50s and the 60s. So when the leadership in the America uh, of church and America in general withdrew from the culture and being pushed back and bullied by the culture, by politicians, by the government. Of course, you're gonna see what we are seeing uh with Vimeo, with YouTube, and everything else that it's been now is becoming more and more anti-Christ, yes. anti-Christian, anti-Church. And I'm I'm sure that Paul, uh, Pastor Paul and Pastor uh, Fisher they don't take it personal. No, they know this is <clears throat> attack on Christ. They know this is attack on the Church. Yep. Um but what they are doing is so important because they're really going back to what a pastor should be, what a church leadership should be, that the church is the light of the world, salt of the earth on both realms, the spiritual realm, as well as the physical realm. And the reason that America, the way it is morally and culturally, is it's really, uh, it's, it's indication of the health of the church in America, mm-hmm. that the church is not influential enough in the lives of men and women in America. Um,
1: well, you cut out, Elijah. I'm not sure if you can hear me, but we will have to reconnect. Um, so he was talking about influence, and I want to just piggyback on that by saying, Jesus did say to believers, you are the light of the world, And he also said, you are the, you are the salt of the earth. So we are supposed to be salt and light. And what does that mean? That means influence. That means shining light on the darkness. That means as salt, preserving, flavoring culture, flavoring, preserving biblical morality, God's law, biblical morality in our culture. So we have lost a little bit of that influence. Some of us, you know, we're, we're trying. We're really, we've been at it for years. Um, but the majority of believers, I, from what all the surveys and, and the, either look at the effects of our culture, just open your eyes and check out our culture, the nation, the major institutions, uh, Hollywood media, government, public education, nonprofit, you know, corporations. Check out the godless influence, and you'll see a pretty big discrepancy when it comes to the Christian influence. Now, I want to go back to some advice, some very good advice. From Pastor Paul Blair, uh, Edmund, Oklahoma, and uh, Vimeo was just banned by, uh, by uh, well, on Vimeo, on the platform. They banned Liberty Pastors. They've got tons of uh, conference videos, teaching videos. And here's what he said in an email. And I really, I want you to take heed and maybe get this to your church team, your pastor or an elder at your church. I really like what he said here after he explained that uh, liberty pastors apparently violated the guidelines, meaning I'm sure they've talked about something political, or th- the Bible is, of course, hate speech to some in-, in the tech world, and, of course, the liberal media and a lot of Democrats and who are in control of these things. The one-party big tech media conglomerate, I call it. Paul Blair said, quote, Please be aware... That your ministry, your ministry or church, should also seek alternative and dependable platforms Seven. for your sermon archives. So we all need to be. If we want our message to be out there, if we want our voice to be heard on, you know, certain platforms, um, we are silenced on some, censored on others. If we want to be out there, we've got to be creative, friends. And Paul Blair said, please be aware, this is great advice. Listen, friends, your church, your ministry, should also seek alternative and dependable platforms for your teaching or your sermon archives. He said, we we live in astounding times where darkness cannot stand for light to shine. So be proactive in backing up and relocating your messages and if possible, install your own server. That's great advice. Take heed, friends. This, like Elijah said, we're not surprised. And they, Paul and Dan, they're, they're not surprised by this. Right. And, and other friends of ours, other pastors and truth pro- proclaimers and defenders, they're not surprised that this is happening. But we need to just be creative, back up the message and continue to speak the truth. Right, Elijah?
2: I I totally agree with you, and I have some friends. uh, Some of them are even retired missionaries. They have their own server, um, and they are really not dependent on some company that they make payments to and so forth. So, um, yeah, I think we need to be more creative. Mm -hmm. Technology is available. It's just a matter of being proactive.
1: Yes. I want to mention before we move on, um, just so many, we've been blessed by just that connection, Elijah, when I met you down there course, I'd met you in person up here in Wisconsin when you've spoken right. up here, but when we were at that Liberty Pastors Conference uh, two years ago, um, I've we've been so blessed. Our listeners, you guys have no idea how many people we've connected with through Liberty Pastors. I mean, Paul Blair, Dan Fisher, uh, Dr. Rick Scarborough, Alex Newman, of course, we've had him on before, but it was great to... See him in person down there. Dr. Lee Merritt, Stefan Broden, Dran Reese, Trevor Loudon, Dr. James Taylor. We have been so blessed. Steve Smotherman, who we just heard on Wednesday. Um, it's just been such a blessing to connect with people of like mind and uh, kindred spirits in a way who understand the, the battle cry that, that we need to have in this day and age. If there's hope to extend the life Of uh, the church and uh, in America here. We have the church has a lot to do with that and the pulpits do, correct?
2: Yeah, I, I highly recommend those listeners who are interested more about this conference. Of course, they I would encourage them to attend as well, but I would highly recommend that they will encourage their pastor and their elders to go and uh if they cannot afford it uh, hey let the church raise the money and pay their airfare ticket and hotel and meals and so forth because well, this is really important for them to be uh, educated and equipped
1: well let's just clarify something that there are donors that contribute to the the costs for pastors right. and your pastor probably will only need to pay $99 right. for a 3 4 day 3 night stay wherever they have these – I'm serious. These are really nice resorts, and people are contributing so pastors don't have to foot the bill. All they need to do is pay their airfare. So right. the, the next one, like I said, it's October 16th through the 19th, Liberty Pastors Conference, Coeur Idaho. I wish I could go to another one. They're so uh, encouraging and edifying and educational. Two more minutes, Elijah. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, just a little bit about – um, the worldview studies that Barna has done, and we'll, we'll make some connections to what we're seeing in our culture. But uh, just your closing thoughts on this part of the podcast, where this this segment where we talked a little bit about technology, and you're able to reach people overseas that you've never met, and how it can be used for good, but it's also being used for evil, of course.
2: Well, it's absolutely you're absolutely right. I think technology right now is just there are so much. Into it. Uh, there is, of course, uh, the adversary using it against us, the church, and against humanity in total. Um, but I think uh, the church needs to be really more focused, and Christians need to be more focused on how can I use this technology for God's kingdom? Um, and we need to really lay aside our uh, small little bitty differences that kind of been dividing the church, which most likely is going to c- continue until the Lord comes back. But until then, let us make the effort to unite because uh, the enemy loves to conquer the church, which is never going to happen. The Lord has promised us, but there are churches who fall for that. So we need to be on the alert constantly.
1: Amen. Friends, we are with Elijah Abraham today, livingoasis.org. That's his ministry where you can get more information. And again, he's taking another international trip. A week from today, he's a busy man. We're blessed to have him on. When we come back, we'll... Talk about what an executive pastor is and why only 4% of them apparently have a biblical worldview. Plus, inviting friends to church. Next.
0: Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest today,
1: Elijah Abraham. I want to share an article from AFA, I'm sorry, American Family Network. Um, AmericanFamilyNews.net, AFN.net. They have so many websites. They're a great organization based down there in Mississippi. Um, pastors and parents need to take note of these worldview inventories when it comes to church leaders because you might not be going to a church that's actually doing its job biblically. They're too concerned about being seeker-sensitive or other things, maybe going woke. So, I do want to say this stat, get this out of the way, maybe we can talk about it, it's not necessary. But 86% of people started attending church because a friend invited them. 86% of people started attending a church because a friend invited them. That's a pretty high stat, that's the highest. The rest are down less than 20%. Um, if, you know, inv- pastors sending out emails, uh, whatever, media campaigns. So more people, the overwhelming majority of people who start attending a church, a new church, or going to church at the beginning is because they were invited. Now, you've got to make sure your pastor is teaching the whole counsel of God, Um and I want to talk about that with Elijah. So let's go down to the very bottom rung here of this worldview inventory, Elijah Abraham, executive pastors. I think what that means is the business leader of the church, the church CEO biblical worldview, only 4% of executive pastors, and maybe you can help me define what that is, have a biblical worldview, and those apparently are the decision makers, the financial leaders, or whatever, of a a church. This is the CEO thing again. Uh, Where are we going wrong here, Elijah?
2: Well, uh, again, it's the model, the Western model, especially in American context. The American context model of the church has taken it from the corporate world. And it has isolated the pastor, uh, from being a pastor to a CEO, if you call it, or president. Uh, so he needed staff uh, to run the church. And in this case, executive staff is to make, uh, run the church as a business, um, making all the decisions regarding uh, the finances, the, the building, the, uh, arrangement or whatever it is you want to call it. So the pastor is detached. I'm not saying all pastors have that talent. Right. Uh, believe me, if I'm a pastor of the church, I don't know how to take care of that. I will look for godly men. That's the key word. Yep, Godly men who have experience to help me achieve that. Now, to have an executive pastor, fine. But the least you could do pastors or senior pastors uh, vet these guys. And look, I've been around. Uh, uh churches enough in America where when they were looking for executive pastor they look someone from the corporate world uh there's I remember I know one particular example a pastor hired an executive pastor who was a uh, an executive uh, with AT&T uh another pastor with IBM uh, all of these things fine wow. they are christians according to what i've been told but again, we are talking about biblical worldview, meaning yes. what is your theology? What is your doctrine? How do you see the Bible? How do you see creation? How do you see uh, the second coming? How do you see uh, the role of the church? All of these things. So that's why we're talking about biblical worldview. Somebody might say, I, I'm a Christian. I'm born again, but he's never been discipled. But he's uh, he says he's Christian. Well, where does he get everybody has a worldview. The question is, where do you get his worldview? Most likely from the corporate world and the culture. And he's bringing that into being in the leadership on staff at a local church. So uh, the statistics that you just shared from Barn Institute does not surprise me at all, David. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the youth pastors, same thing. I had multiple meetings with different youth pastors in different cities in different uh, scenarios. When I talk to them, you know, we have lunch and I'm trying to reach out to them and make our ministry available to theirs. Uh, to help young people out, be aware uh, of what's going on in the culture. The youth pastors are oblivious to what's happening in, in the nation, That's to right. the culture, even outside their own local church. That's right. I mean, when I, a lot, to give you one example, I had a meeting, a lunch meeting not long ago with a youth pastor, a very well known church, a, a big church. And I'm telling you, this gentleman had no idea. What's happening in the church in America as a whole? All he was thinking about is my group, my church. What is going? What am I need to do on Wednesday night? And on Wednesday nights, uh, I know what a lot of the things what typical church what they do is uh, let's have fun, let's gather, let's get pizza, let's play games, and this and that. It's just basically a lot of entertainment. Not necessarily very few youth pastors really have hard to equip young people. For the world out there, by the time they graduate high school and go to college, uh, help them how to defend the faith. I'll give you a best example. Uh, one of the ladies my wife ministers to, she's married to a Muslim. Um, she, she has three daughters. Her middle daughter, um, she's 16. She, she's accepted Christ, but she is, she's been a uh, secret Christian for a long time and growing in the faith and the Lord convicted her and she said, I had enough, I cannot live a secret believer. I need to tell my father and we were praying for that. And of Mm -hmm. course blew up with her dad Uh. big time. But God has really worked in the life of that family. But here's the challenge. I want to make the point about the youth ministry. She goes to a local church. She wants to be part of a, a family, especially have Christian friends her age. And she could not get fed, could not be equipped in any. She visited at least three churches and she is so beyond the average 16 year old because her faith is being tested. She is doing apologetics on her own online wow. with other Muslim friends that she used to know. Uh, she is back and forth with her dad. He's constantly uh, trying to defeat her faith. Mm. She's doing uh, research and so on. She goes to church, to youth ministry. All that you want to do: hang out and watch a movie, or play games, or something, or surface uh, teaching. So, and uh, that particular youth ministry is no exception yeah. to the rule. This is what I see, and I know this is what you see. Again, please, yeah. the hearers should not misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not here to judge the church. It's not God. It's not my church. It's God's church. But this is the majority, not all, but the majority of the situation going on in American Christianity churches who basically bring individuals to lead the church who their worldview is really not biblical.
1: Elijah, in just a minute, I would like for you to contrast what we're talking about now with churches when you go on these trips overseas and what you see in the churches there and how they might train the youth. But first, I want to mention the worldview of children's pastors and youth pastors is at 12% only. Associate right. pastors, around 28%. But I want to read what George Barnes said. He said the pastors and teachers who lack a biblical worldview uh, likely see the Bible as uh, like a help, helpful guidebook. They would not say it contains... or they, 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 It's absolute moral truth. It's not authoritative. But they will say maybe it contains... Uh, true principles for life, maybe great ideas over the course of time. The you know a lot of good history, but um, this is something that uh, it needs to be addressed because what we're seeing, what we've seen over the decades, is let's just talk about youth pastors. They're really good at entertaining kids, they, and, right. and they've learned that you got to keep the kids are the attention spans, and now with the technology. Do something to keep your kid, the kids' attention. But where is the doctrine? Where is the discipleship? Where is the teaching of the Bible? I know churches around here, one mega church in particular, they're great at getting the kids to a basketball game or volleyball or playing on a Wednesday night, like you said. But we've got to go back to the Bible. So your thoughts before you contrast that with churches you're going to go visit.
2: Right. Absolutely. And that's what then goes down to really the basics. What is the purpose of the church? you know um I, you know the scripture well enough in ephesians chapter 4 verse 12 where it talks about god appointed uh, apostles and pastors and prophets and pastors teachers for why what is the purpose for equipping the saints for the work of the ministry Equally. that's what the role of the leadership yes. but the role of the church the purpose of the church you go back to acts chapter 2 where the people the believers new believers focus on four things you know, uh, the the teaching uh, of the apostles. Well, what did they teach? The New Testament has not been uh, written yet, was in the process of doing that. So they were teaching the scripture, Old Testament scripture, and they were, the apostles are talking about what the Old Testament says about uh, the Lord Jesus coming, appoint, you know, pointing out all the prophecies regarding him. And they also focus on prayer and fellowship and breaking of, uh, of bread, going from one house to another these are the four pillars of what the church is is equipping the saints uh listen to the elders and the pastors uh to uh in this case the apostles and a book of acts uh but the pastors of teaching what the scripture yes and if you notice out of the four essentials the the pillars praise and worship is not there Hmm. it talks about to greet one another in psalm and song but praise and worship is not there but you look at a typical american church uh, praise and worship singing is the basically now the corner or the pillar of yeah. a church service that takes majority of the time out of it's An hour, probably about thirty minutes to forty-five uh, to forty minutes, is uh, you know praise and worship and music, and only fifteen to twenty minutes and uh, you know preaching. Some, and that's, yeah. that's some, if it's expository, maybe most likely little sermonettes.
1: Some churches churches have done that, and, and as we've seen, unfortunately, because of the music business. Christian music is, uh, it's part of entertainment. Music is entertaining. I'm not saying all worship songs, singing hymns. Right. But we've made it entertaining in America because now we have great sound systems and lights and phenomenal musicians. And sometimes there's a slideshow video and it looks like more like a concert, which it shouldn't. But Elijah, contrast this now, this American model, with what you've seen in good, you know, Maybe maybe they're not, they don't have a lot of money over there, some of those churches, but they're deep spiritually, I'm guessing.
2: Well, it, again, <clears throat> the influence of the American Christianity did not stay in America. It has been exported internationally. Mm-hmm. So when I travel overseas, I see American Christianity model being practiced in third world countries, wow. uh, which is really sad to see. However, the other churches, um, I'm telling you, uh, all they want to hear is they want to hear from God. Yes, they do some uh, songs, maybe two, three songs, and that's it. And then the rest of the time, the preacher is just preaching, opening the Bible and go through it. And, um, you know, prayer, uh, they pray 30, 40 minutes easy, no problem. That's doing the service. Um, in America, uh, you pray to start the service and you pray to end the service and gone, everybody out of the door. Hmm. Um, I remember in Africa, the first time I went there, uh out um, in uh, uganda and uh, when i went there and they would start praying for about 30 minutes and they start singing for almost a- about an hour now an hour and a half and i'm looking at my watch <laughs> uh so <laughs> so finally i i before he introduced me i said brother how much time do i have you know typical uh american uh, mindset and because I have an interpreter, so I got to consider the t- translation time. Wow. And with his thick uh, African accent, so brother, we want to hear from God. <laughs> <laughs> he said, take your time. And the reason for that, and, and I realized that if I preach for about an hour and a half, two hours, they get upset with me because they want to hear from God. And they, they walk to the church, you know, 10, 15 miles to get to church. Church, in those countries, whether it be Africa and other places, it's a whole day event. Wow! They are not restrained by the time and so on. They want to hear from God. When I go through the scripture, you could hear the hear the pages going back and forth mm. in the audience, and uh, they are writing uh, the notes and so forth. So they want to hear from There's God. There's a hunger. Go, yeah. Oh my goodness, David. I mean, it's it's really amazing. Wow. When, it's, it's really wonderful. Uh, whenever I go, to, that's why I love going overseas. It's like, okay, this is what a church should be looking mm. like in America. Uh, now very rare I find churches in America like that. And I thank God they are there. Praise the Lord they are there. Uh, but they, when it, they're just not enough of us.
1: How do uh, we could open up a whole new podcast topic here by trying to offer some solutions on how is it first? Is it possible to get to a point where we're we're not concerned about just keeping church under an hour, <laughs> or or having this time limit. Like you said, where's where's that in? Give me the chapter and verse on putting a time limit on fellowship, prayer, the apostles' teaching, um, you know, all the things you do taking the Lord's Supper. Uh, other countries like that, you're going, wow, they they must have a hunger for God, and then you look at us and go, whoa, why why don't we have that hunger? And why aren't we kind of changing that model to go back to? All right, who cares if we don't finish up by lunch? Right. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Is there how do, can we get back there?
2: What do you think, Elijah? Well, this is a loaded question. And yeah, I multiple, know. <laughs> um, you know, it, <laughs> from our end, from an American uh, church point of view, we just have not suffered enough for, mm. for the Lord. We have not uh, paid price. We have not defended our faith. In modern, especially in the last 60 years, mm. um, you know, when America was born or the pilgrims came, they fought for their faith. They they kept their faith. They relied on the Lord every single day for survival to live in America, as, you know, wild as it was. And they went to war with uh, Britain. Of, you know, this started really for religious liberty, you know, with the Black Robe Regiment preachers. Mm. Um, so, it, we have not really experienced anything like this in yeah. modern day American churches and Christianity um at, at the same time, you know we just kind of use Jesus uh, you know only for what we need, put him back the rest of the week or only take him out of, out of the closet only when we need him uh, instead of you know this is a way of life on a daily basis. so at the same time, um you know churches or Christians in uh third world countries or other countries. They, they are minority or the worldview of the church is really kind of, uh, they looked at as an occult or, or fringe. So they have nothing but no, uh, nobody but Jesus. In America, we have everything and everybody except Jesus. Mm. Um, uh, so it's, it's really sad indictment, uh, to what we are going through right now. And it, you know, the statistics that you mentioned earlier, it does not surprise me at all. The heart, bre- the heartbreaker is for me that I am seeing, start seeing the same thing in those countries I visit. Oh. And to give an example, in Southeast Asia, there is a, and, and believe it or not, in Muslim countries there are some countries where they have mega churches. Where did they get the idea, the model of mega church? We've exported, it, yeah. And there is in some of these churches. They literally, the name of the church, 60 minute Church, and they have six, seven services. So you go in, you get out in 60 minutes guaranteed.
1: Wow. Where
2: wow. did this come from? I know. Uh, and and I, when I go on to speak in some of these churches, I mean, it's just the music out loud, and singing and dancing and all of that stuff. And it's, it's a challenge. So yeah. we always have to go back to the Scripture.
0: Yeah,
1: we've got a lot more coming up with Elijah Abraham, including um, what do you do when your local football team has a game on a Sunday? What do you do about church you can't go long? Or can you? More coming up on Stand Up
0: For The Truth. Keep it right here. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo.
1: So I went to a church about five, six years ago. There was a guest uh, pastor that day, small church of I don't know how many. Um, I may be 100. I don't know. But uh, there was a guest pastor, and it was... Um, I understood that church to be a little on the seeker-sensitive side and all about grace and not necessarily deep in doctrine. So this guest pastor comes in, and there's a football game that day, a home game at noon here in Green Bay. And he got up and he said, Hey, guys, don't worry, I'll get you out of here in time for the game. And he preached a 15-minute sermon and I don't remember if he had a Packers jersey on or not, but I, I was, and the sermon was just, it was one of those self-help pep talks. Go raw, get him. What, and I, I was just so grieved in my spirit, Elijah, but I don't know if that's, um, not common. Um, I know, I would love for you to, to share your thoughts. We're in in the Green Bay, Wisconsin area. You're near Dallas, Texas. You've had some experience (laughs) with the Cowboys down there. And let's talk about this because football has become an idol. It's sports, it's entertainment, a lot of entertainment, movies and technology, music and other things. But football is a big one this time of year.
2: Right. Absolutely. I mean, I've been in, uh, you know, visited some churches or uh, attended a church, you know, my Christian life. And when the Cowboys were playing, uh, in the evening, you know, they say, Oh, uh, you know, bring your snacks or we're going to provide, uh, pizza and so on. And we could watch the game in the fellowship hall at the church. Um, or uh, if it's going to be while well, the service, morning service happening, like the church you attended, uh, same thing. Oh, we'll get you out of here, uh, quick as we can. And that's really absolutely sad because then it goes down to, Back to my original point. What is the purpose of the church? Yep. The purpose of the church is not for the unbelievers. The church is for the believers. The okay. church is a seminary, it's a Bible college, it and it's also it's a sending mission agency. Mm. So it's not for the seeker, it's not for the unbeliever. If a seeker, an unbeliever comes attend the church that day, well, I'm glad they're there but we're going to continue equipping the saints while they are there and let the word of god speak to them but it's not we're not going to change the service to meet the need or uh, uh to give the approval of the unbeliever or seeker who's sitting in the pew mm. and that's what happened in american christianity it allowed the culture to influence the church instead of the church influence on the culture so the the because the congregation uh are not being uh used to f- being fed from the word, and the Word is the center and authority in the church, of course they're gonna make other things a priority other than church, yeah. and they make a joke out of it they may they laugh at uh about it most likely this guest speaker you experience you know, hey, I'm glad I finished that fifteen minutes did not promise you I have fifteen minutes now you could go and watch the game so it's something like that probably he said but uh, you can day, everybody record everybody was, the
1: game you can re- if you exactly. if you have to watch the whole thing every pl- i mean you can record the game
2: yeah today. back in the old days when we used to have vhs we used to record it and okay when i get home i watch it and now with technology and satellite just click it dvr or whatever it's called and you could record it and don't talk to anybody who's seen it and go and enjoy (laughs) it (laughs) so so but it's that's the reality of again american christianity and i'm telling you david when i go to a biblical church a biblical uh christianity practice there A biblical worldview it's a breath of fresh air in america Mm. because i'm telling you uh, when i ask them how much time do i have to preach because that's always a concern for me in american churches Um, they usually give me like uh, 20-25 minutes and that's really hard to do it's really it's awful yeah it's awful and i have to negotiate with pastors i said look you give the this music man 40 minutes uh, and you give me 20, I'll tell you what, why don't you give him 15 and you give me 55? <laughs> so, Negotiating. Well, absolutely. Um, oh, but man. and that's that's the thing. Uh, you know, the people in the pew have not been accustomed. It's been very, very long time. Very few churches who they're accustomed is I am going to church. I want to hear from God. I'm in the presence of a holy God. I am there to adore and worship God, Uh, not the music, um, the drums and the sound. I've been in churches where they have fog machines uh, that sprays on people and so forth. It's like I cannot hear my wife sitting next to me singing because the music is so loud and so forth. So, you know, last weekend I was in Oklahoma at the church where I got saved and met my wife, and we got married. And it was a, such a wonderful reunion, a privilege to preach. And it was really nice that I could hear the congregation singing. That mm. doesn't mean they did not have um, uh, new instruments. But the volume was low enough where the God's people are adoring and worshiping the Lord. That was such a breath of fresh air. Yeah. And they gave me all the time that I needed to finish what I need to preach on from the text. I just said, open your Bibles. We're going to go through the scripture and we went through a scripture. And people did not complain. Uh, why? Because there's a testimony to the pastor that he's a biblical pastor, and it's interesting. He and I went to seminary together, and um, he w- goes through the scripture. He's a good preacher. So when uh, a church takes after the personality of the preacher, after his heart for the Lord, if his heart for the Lord is, okay, how many people we can get in the pew, so let's find other programs, of course, the people that's what, the kind of people you'll be attracting because they want their ears to be tickled. But if the pastor said, you know what, if you're here, you're more than welcome. But we are in the middle of of Romans. We're going to go through Romans and yeah. that's it, you know, verse so, by
1: verse. Right? That's right.
2: exactly. Um, So so, uh, it's it's really difficult to find a church like that anymore.
1: So Elijah, I have this question because um, when I fill the pulpit at at times, I just say, hey, can I take 45 minutes to an hour? And and almost every time, yes, that's great. So I've been at some really um, just blessed churches, and I haven't had those limits of a half hour. I can't even imagine 25 minutes to a half hour.
2: Yeah. But let me ask you this.
1: Some good godly men, who are leading congregations who are like I would call the remnant and they are preaching the whole counsel of God and they are uh, going through the scriptures verse by verse and they're good teachers they have a time limit they say because of the youth and the the teachers that are da- like in another room or downstairs teaching the kids and they can't be with the kids for an hour and a half or whatever so how do you what would you how do would you respond to that because these are there are some great men of God who say no I would love to extend this but out of respect for our children's leaders or the nursery or whatever the volunteers which what are your thoughts on that
2: well uh, it's a good thing that I'm <laughs> I'm not a pastor but if I am the pastor of that particular church I will have a meeting with all the staff with all the workers are, look um, you know I uh, for the Holy Spirit to work, I have to preach the word of God and the word of God is how long it usually takes for me to expose the text and so forth. So be prepared that uh, the, you know, you will probably will uh, take about an hour or an hour and a half, whatever. And uh, they just need to know. Mm. I mean, if they volunteer, let's say volunteers, yes. if they volunteer to serve, they're not going to put a clock on how much time they're going to, you know, until they leave. So. It is. I think it's an excuse. Again, that's my view. Uh, People disagree with me on that. It is an excuse, but if you condition or teach your youth pastor, your Sunday school teachers, your workers, volunteers, your children workers, that my sermon is an hour and this is how long it takes, Hmm. they'll be fine with it.
1: I think so. I've never had an Uh, issue with that. Uh, Of course, as a... uh, guest uh, speaker or when I was an associate pastor, it was a uh, good Bible believing churches. But by the way, if you're disagreeing with anything on the podcast today, email info at org. <laughs> Get a hold oh, of, of Elijah. No, let's, but let's go back to football. Um, only because Elijah there, there, this is a bigger problem that I think the American church wants to admit with idolatry. Right. And, oh, my goodness, I know I'm ruffling some feathers in our it's neck of the woods. But you
2: apply that to really anything nowadays. Yes, of
1: course, of course. Yeah. But this this has other things, m- movies and whatever else. You can go home and watch at night or you can w- record or whatever. But a football game is on live. It's on Sunday. It's not a Friday night, not a Saturday night. It's a Sunday, and a lot of them start at noon or whatever, noon or 1 o'clock. We've got to get leave church, grab lunch, get home. Why? Why do we have to do that? And I I want to just share something really quick, Elijah. I had a problem with this 10 years ago. I had a problem with idolatry and football. I had to watch every game, every week. Not every, every game in the NFL, but every game of my favorite team. I had to watch every play, and um, it got to the point where I, I just would shush my wife when she would talk to me, and I, it was a fall day, windows were open. Our next door neighbor's house was up for sale, and Aaron Rodgers threw an interception. And I said, "I believe it was son of a me yep. I'm a Christian, right? The the windows were open, and outside in the yard, our neighbor was walking by. Our new neighbors to be with the real estate agent, and I just cussed yeah I may have said s h i t I may have said that but that was the day I said this stops now. i now it's affecting my witness because yep. of a stinking football game. so Elijah, whatever you want to say, we've got four minutes left.
2: <laughs> yeah it, again, like I said, it really applies to anything um and that's something we need to come alongside brothers and sisters who have situation like this don't be condemning don't be judging just say okay how's your walk with the lord how can i be of assistant to help you grow in the lord Mm -hmm. and one thing i'll find out that the word of god will wean people out of football um it's it's one of those things that when they fall in love with jesus all over again uh football become not even secondary Mm -hmm. um and it's just they are filling i think a lot of people filling a void uh of that excitement that um you know need Well, when you fall in love with the Lord Jesus and his promises, uh, he will fulfill every need uh, excitement, uh, fellowship, uh, looking forward to seeing him. So all of that really will be taken care of. Yeah, God allows us to enjoy football too, but he did not say that we'll replace in church or replace in hearing him, um, you know, from his word. So I think uh, that the believers, we need to uh, hold each other accountable in love yes um and uh just come alongside of weaker brothers and sisters and equip them and i think one of the greatest uh travesty going on in, in american church is that there is no such thing as mentorship we don't walk alongside uh, a brother or a sister who needs to who have the desire to learn but nobody there to teach them on a day-to-day basis mm. and they're not going to get that once a week on sunday morning it's not going to happen right so uh, i think god's people need to learn to be mentors to others some some of the uh, seniors or those who've been mature in the faith for a long time please if you listen to me don't keep it to yourself pass on that godly wisdom that god has given you and the uh, understanding of the scripture that god has given you pass it on to somebody be proactive seek someone in the church say hey do you mind if you and me just meet together, um, you know, every other day for breakfast or for coffee? Or we'll go through the Bible or talk about your challenges in life and so on. Maybe there is something that I could help you with. Believe me, there are people in the church who are hungry for people like that, and but nobody wants to step out uh, some, whatever reason. I don't have time. I don't want to offend somebody. I don't want to invade somebody's space. Whatever the reason is, you know what. The least you could do, ask, make yourself available. The worst that could happen, they say, thanks, but no thanks. But don't assume anything. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's those things that because the Bible has not been the center in the church, you have all of the other issues that we've been discussing you and me. Every time I come on your show, it's a result of the Bible is not the authority in the church anymore. Amen. Now. One of the blessings that I i, I could stop here and you could talk <laughs> um, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, actually in that area. Back in 2012 or 2013, I was invited. Uh, we did a conference uh, that your um, uh, radio station put together. Yes. And a local fellowship uh, asked me to preach the next day. And when I asked, I so how much time do I have? They say, how much time do you need? <laughs> Nobody asked me that question. Wow. I was floored. Uh, And uh, after talking and discussing what they do and uh, what I could offer, that Sunday, I preached for about four hours. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. We had breaks in between breakfast and lunch. But (laughs) for four hours, they gave me plenty of time to teach what they want to hear. And nobody complained. Everybody sat there. They brought their lunch. They brought their breakfast and they had their coffees took breaks. There was no reason for them to hurry up and go home uh, they just wanted okay. to hear from god and that's in the green bay area
1: yeah well it's there are pockets of this across the country there's a remnant church and we've just got to encourage our brothers and sisters challenge them not to conform to the world and uh, elijah abraham god bless you brother have a great ministry trip and uh, be safe thanks so much for your time today
2: god bless you thank you for having me i appreciate the prayers yep
1: you're most welcome next monday jb hickson Pastor Matt Truella on Tuesday of Missionaries to the Preborn, Dr. Lee Merritt on Wednesday, Senator Andre Jacques in Wisconsin on Thursday, and Mary Danielson from Calvary Chapel Appleton on Friday. God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.